You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. Luckily for us, the Broncos were closers uh, this last Sunday. There you go. Oh, man, nothing better than a hot cup of joe. Um, I actually got a really nice uh, backcountry stove just because it had a French press attachment to it so I can take coffee in the backcountry. And let me tell you, after I had a very cold, wet weekend uh, backpacking, um, caught a lot of fish, but uh, burr and just so wet. Um, but uh, it was a good time. That morning warm coffee, though, what a totally different maker. Yeah, totally worth it. Um, but yeah, guys, Tuesday morning, it is Broncos for breakfast. We're going to talk a little bit of Broncos Giants, Jerry Judy, the AFC West, maybe NFC West, too. All eight. No, the West is the best, guys. Um, but Scott, how are you doing? How was your weekend? Uh, other than the uh, I did catch the <laughs> the hot, the long highlights of the Falcons game. And uh, what, what Falcons we, game? We welcome you, Scott. Welcome to Broncos country. No, um, um, as we've said before, as a, you know, a lifelong Atlanta sports fan, you don't have real high expectations. Yeah, <laughs> but they failed to live up to those. No, I was in uh, Charleston, South Carolina at a place called Shipyard Park. Uh, if you've got a second to Google that, it's a really cool place. It's almost like Candlestick Point, except there's five baseball fields on it. So um, my son, who is a really, really good baseball player, found out how the other half lived. Uh, I think he made seven outs in June the whole month. He hit 800 with like 11 home runs in June. Uh, he was one for eight at one point in this tournament, uh, but then finished with a game tying home run to kind of break out of that. Otherwise it would have been a really long ride home on the, on the last day, hit a, hit a game tying home run. So, so that was better. I'm like, I was like, buddy, I've been trying to tell him for three years, this game will humble you and it hasn't yet. So it's about to, I think he got a little taste of that, which is good. It's good for him, but we had a good time. Good, good to be back. And it was good to catch up on, uh, on watching the Broncos and, uh, you know, all the all the positive things that we said, if, if this happens, if this happens, if this happens, if this happens, well, they all happened. Yeah, pretty much. And, uh, really and you know, I, I was seeing some of the comments. Well, it's just the Giants. I'm like, guys, I'm sorry. But last year you were just the Broncos. You know, yeah. until you're beating those teams, you are one of those teams. Trust me. I know. Yeah. So, you know, you took care of business against a team you should wait. And, and there's no real easy games on the road in the NFL. And you made that one look easy. Be happy. Mm. That's, I mean, I know you're happy, but let's, let's not play this down too much. You know, we don't need to overreact, but that was a good win. Yeah. Like the Broncos, Broncos fans should not start planning the parade. Um, so to speak, I get what people say. No, it's just the giants. It's also just week one, but the Broncos have not been one and oh in many moons. Uh, so just be happy in the moment. And yeah, especially, like, you know, especially with the September record, that's a, that was a, like I said, all the things that you're hoping to see, that we were hoping to see, we saw. Yep. You know, except for exactly. maybe Brandon Chubb. That was that was about it. Yeah. Bradley Chubb should Bradley be, Chubb. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I knew I was gonna screw okay. that up with Nick Chubb, Brandon. I got I got Brandon Copeland in my mind. He was just re-signed by the Falcons. I I, I try to stick. I spent all morning walking around saying Okawebanom. So you're ready. You're ready. Well, guys, hopefully everybody's ready and joining us now. Obviously, this is Broncos for Breakfast every Tuesday and Thursday morning at 730 Mountain Time. We'll be here down to break down the Broncos and what's going on in the world of football. Uh, you can find Scott and myself on Twitter, Scott at Scout Kennedy and myself at Nick Kendall MHH. While you're over there, also follow us at Huddle Up Pod and at Mile High Huddle. Facebook folks, if you're joining us today, please go to facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle, become a supporter. Also head over to facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod. Uh, get those stars in uh, because we do have a 
another raffle coming up. Uh, congrats on the Von Miller jersey being uh, raffled off. But we got another one for uh, September, so let's keep it rolling. And that's not just the stars over on Facebook. It's also YouTube, folks. Mm-hmm. And if you're not in a position to do that, you know, you can't uh, spare a dollar or anything like that. It's fine. That's totally fine. I get it. Um, but what you can do, totally free, subscribe, like, and share to this channel, um, as well as Scott's channel at youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Scott Kennedy. doesn't cost you a thing, just uh, 10 seconds, five seconds, maybe if you're savvy with a computer, and uh, help us. So that'd be a great support of us. And uh, let's say hello to everybody in the chat who's in here so far. We got Mo Ron saying, if you're not injured, then you're not trying very hard. Well, uh, that's uh, I guess that's true for some things, but uh, hopefully not everything. I, I don't know about that one. Yeah. I, I kind of reverse that around to like to failing. If you're not failing, you're not trying hard enough to get better. I don't necessarily want someone getting hurt, but yeah. you know, it, someone's first time I went skiing is like, were you falling down? I'm like, hell yeah, I was falling down a lot. If I'm not falling down a lot, I'm not trying hard enough to get better. Yep. You know, and the only way to find, you know, we said, what's your max? Well, the only way to find your max is to find what breaks you. So you you gotta you gotta find the failing part. So, but I don't want anybody getting hurt. Yeah, uh, only hurt feelings um, or, or hurt pride. Uh, you talking about falling down skiing. That one hit home. Um, EJ saying, good morning, Nick and Scott in Broncos country. Good to see you, EJ. Dave Glassman's in the house with the the hearts as always. Mr. Consistent Dave Glassman. Good to see you. U.S. Dave is also in here. Buenos dias. There we go, U.S. Dave. Good to see you. He also says, QOTD, animals are our friends, but they won't pick you up at the airport. Uh, quote of the day. That's... Uh, that's true. Although I'm, I am working on it with my dog Summit. Um, he's gonna, he's not old enough to have his uh, driver's license yet, but it'd be nice if he could pick us up at the airport. They will meet you at the door, especially when it's dinner time. True. Yeah, very true. Um, DBA comes in and says, "Good morning, everybody. Nice thumbnail, guys. Uh, not sure about the thumbnail, but I'll take it. Thank you." Dave Glassman also coming in with hearts over on Facebook as well. Double dipping. Thank you so much, Dave. He's he wants to win that uh, that raffle this month. Uh, will is in the house. Damn, Scott's son got ham- humbled. Um, sounds like he got humbled for a second, but then broke out. So, uh, that's baseball, man. It's, it's, it's a streaky game. Listen up Broncos country. Tick pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. Tick pick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the huddle up podcast and the blue wire network. Denver Broncos football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore because tick pick that's T I C K P I C K is the original no fee ticket site. And the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. Tick pick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it. If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets, TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. Sean is our Jeremy. Sean is in the house too. Kirk Cousins look alike. Uh, Kirk, you, your guys didn't look so hot this week, uh, but he says, good morning, fellas. Um, U.S. Dave say it's a win and a game to build by Adam Sears. Good morning, guys. Great win. Great week to be a Hawkeyes fan and a Broncos fan. Man, after my own heart right there. Yeah, Broncos uh, or Hawkeyes 2-0, two uh, victories against ranked teams and number five in the country right now. So we'll see. The, uh, the Hunters have become the hunted when you rank that high. So uh, they're going to have to keep it up. They're going to get everybody's best shot. Um, road wins are always appreciated. That's 100% correct. Victor Rios all saying good morning, guys. Uh, DeAndre Witherspoon, Witherspoon saying onto the Jags. Want to know feels good. Um, when was the last time we had a winning record? It feels good. 
God, it might be 2016. It's been a long time because uh, the Broncos have started so slow. It's really hard to have a winning record uh, when you uh, can't win in September. Yeah, exactly. Um, morning, Scott. Morning, Nick from Vic. Good to see you. Uh, Joseph T. Fisher. Good morning, guys. And go Denver Broncos. And Jeremy saying, was the last time we had a winning? Oh, same question, but uh, it's been a bit. Um, Peter Middleton also coming in. What a week to be a Broncos fan. Absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. And uh, let's get into it. Um, the Broncos are 1-0 and with a, I would say, a thorough beating of the New York Giants. The Broncos did leave points on the board, um, but you can say the same thing about the Giants. You know, those guys are talented as well. And I would say the score came out about exactly what you'd expect it to be, given how the game played out. Um, obviously, the Giants had a garbage time touchdown, but the Broncos also, you know, really flexed in the red zone multiple times and had some key turnovers as well. Uh, so what are your just overall thoughts? I mean, I th- like you said, I don't want to you know pat ourselves too hard on the back. I don't want to you know strain myself, but uh, pretty much everything we said that would come to be came to be. I guess or at least that needed to, you yes. know, that needed to. We, there, there weren't for sure's in there, uh, but, you know, when we're talking about, uh, you know, the things that needed to happen, you know, does, does yeah. Von Miller come back being Von Miller? Yes. Yes, he does. Uh, Melvin Gordon, Melvin Gordon, Melvin Gordon is better than we expected him to be. I mean, we saw flashes out in the preseason, but I think he's better than we were expecting to be from, from last season. Uh, Javante Williams showed patience in the running game that I wasn't necessarily expecting. Uh, Josie Jewell sets the tone, uh, coming downhill on a screen pass and stopping what could have been a first down to a third and two forces a punt on the next play. I mean, that, that was key. Um, Albert Okawebenam having a big game. That game turned on his fumble. Yeah, it, it really did. The defense kind of took that personally almost and came out, and that's when they started flexing their muscles. So we can get into all kinds. I'd be happy to get into all kinds of personnel and uh, individual performances and that type of stuff, but I know it's already Tuesday, and I see some familiar faces, and I don't know how much everybody wants to rehash that if they want to start looking forward to to Jacksonville, but we'll uh, we'll do it a little bit, a little bit more. And, and Peter, thank you. Thank you for the stars right here. Uh, he says, OL could get our QB hurt. Great performance if they played poorly would put Muti in. See, I actually thought of, of the of the that Risner had a really good game um, uh, watching those guys. And I thought Cushenberry was adequate. I thought he did just yeah. fine. Uh, if you want to watch, you know, the guys are going to get pressure, especially, you know, we got Leonard Williams in the middle. Overall, I thought the, the offensive line did an outstanding job. If you want to see a scary offensive line turn on the Atlanta Falcons, yeah, it's, it's almost like they're not even getting in people's way in passing situations. They're actually grabbing onto them and slingshotting them by you. Uh, but I thought the the offensive line for Denver did a really good job in pass protection, and and uh, for some reason Risner kept kind of popping up in my you know I see him get beat. It happens, you know. Garrett Bowles got rocked too. He had a good game, yeah. um, but I thought he had a uh, I thought Risner was a was really good on the offensive line. See, and I think that's funny because I watched the game twice and I thought Risner struggled a bit. Um, I thought he was good on a few pulls, um, but I thought that uh, Leonard Williams uh, gave him everything he could handle on a few plays. But for an offensive line, still but that's, that's Leonard Williams. Play. Yeah. You know, yeah, um, and, and again, it, it might be it might be my bar was set so low because I watched the Falcons and then the Broncos. Yeah. And I, I can't overestimate it's not hyperbole to say just how bad the Falcons offensive line is. It's unbelievable how bad it is. It's almost impossibly bad. So seeing, um, you know, guys moving around and, and, and uh, 
you know, the, the pull blocks and getting to your assignments and get actually just getting in the way and slowing somebody down was a revelation to me. But I thought Risner, I thought Risner had a, pr a pretty good game overall. Um, you know, and, and gradings are subjective too. You know, yeah, that's not a, that's not a, you know, I, I've sat with, I've sat there with people watching senior bowl one-on-ones, you know, and three people say who won the rep be a one-on-one and three people say, you know, win for this guy, win for that guy and a draw. I'm like, all right, well, that's why they have three judges in boxing contests too. Yep. Yeah. No, overall, um, given the, like we said, I harped on it. If anybody listened to any of the shows that I've been on, I've been like, listen, the giants interior du duo scares the absolute bejesus out of me. Um, and, uh, they, I would say they lived up to the hype. Both of them were very talented. Uh, Dexter Lawrence, uh, despite being six, five, very pretty solid pad level. Um, Gabe Glasgow and Cushenberry, all they could handle over there. And, uh, Leonard Williams, a top five pick whenever he came out, maybe top four. Um, and, uh, he looked like it. So overall, I thought the Broncos did pretty well. I also think the giants were, um, planning scheming to take away the run. I thought that they, I didn't chart it, uh, snap by snap, but it seemed like they had played with a higher box number, um, with more single high looks, more cover one. Um, and then when that happened, Teddy would, uh, audible, I guess, or, you know, go to a check or a check and, uh, pass the ball. And because of that, they were very efficient passing the ball early when the run game was not as efficient as you'd like to be. And it worked. Um, so, uh, you know, when you have the weapons that you have and you have isolated matchups and Teddy is reading the right, uh, thing pre-snap and gosh, shout out to him navigating the pocket under pressure and buying himself time. Like, a, I mean, gosh, that was as good as I've seen, um, pocket play from a quarterback position since Manning was back there, um, for the Broncos. So, uh, yeah, no, it was overall really good. It's hard to take away any true negatives. I do want the offensive line to continue to improve because if I think if this team is going to go where they want to, they're going to have to run the ball more efficiently, and that falls on the offensive line. But kind of like how you see a, a Power 5 team, you know, you have that week one game where it's a, a, a Power 5 team, like the Hawkeyes would play like Pitt or something in the ACC. They came away with a victory at Pittsburgh. Okay, and that one was tough. They won. Now you have two... Uh, and you, it's on the road. So like you, like you said, there's no uh, guaranteed victory, but like you're going to Jacksonville who looks absolutely disarray. I already talked about Urban Meyer leaving. And then the Jets, like that's like going to two uh, max schools next after yeah. you beat an ACC team. So Broncos got a, two games, no, no guarantees, but they got two games where they should really um, work on that offensive line. And hopefully you see them gel. Clay Helton gets fired at USC and all of a sudden uh, Urban Meyer's having health problems. Um, yeah. You know, that that's kind of the, the joke that's running around, but Talking about uh, Teddy, there was there was one play I thought that really kind of epitomized what he did, what he what he can do. It's it a second and eight, and they ran a play action into a blitz, and this was in the first or second quarter. I didn't write that part down, but it was early because it's the top of my notes. Runs play action into a blitz. That's bad news, you know, because you're you're the whole idea of play action is to slow the linebackers down, and when they're blitzing, they're not slowing down, and now you've just given them an extra two steps. So as the pockets collapsing on him, he pulls the ball. You don't just pull it down. He pulls it down into a, into a cradle like a running back. He takes it one hand and brings it inside into his body to protect it, kind of gets his hand out, slides outside of the tackle to his right, and then hits Melvin Gordon for a two-yard gain instead of an eight- or nine-yard loss or worse. That set up third and short instead of second and or third and forever. Broncos converted, and I think they went down and kicked a field goal. So for me – that's the stuff that, you know, Teddy doesn't get crazy. You look at box scores and you look at the it, it, average per attempt and you look at all those things. That's the kind of stuff that doesn't show up well in a box score. That's the yeah. stuff that passes the eye test. Like Teddy just saved our bacon on that one. 
uh, with, a, with a great play that was a two-yard gain. You know, sometimes we talk about guys that get caught behind the line of scrimmage and running backs. So that was the best no-yard gain I ever saw as he breaks two tackles just to get back to the line of scrimmage. That was a that was a drive-saving play from him for a two-yard gain. And uh, I think based on what I know about Drew Locke and what I've heard, I think that might be one of the big differences there is his first instinct was ball security. He, he tucked it. He brought it in. Now, okay, I'm okay. My guy's held up long enough that I can, might be able to do something. Let's slide out to the right and see what, see what we can make happen. So I, I thought that was a terrific play, probably a little bit under the radar, um, but I don't listen to you know 20 Broncos shows. It may have been talked about for the last 48 hours for all I know. Yeah, no, Teddy, Teddy had a really good game, about as good as you could possibly expect. Um, there were a couple throws that, you know, left yards on the field. There was a great route by Fant where he had almost nothing but space in front of him where he crossed the whole field and then headed upfield. And uh, Teddy threw it really short. Um, also that I think on the first drive, there was a pass uh, deep left that was not really in the vicinity of Cortland Sutton. Uh, did look like Cortland maybe pulled up a little bit on that, but uh, still, I mean, it's, I think it was third down. They're taking a uh, calculated shot. I don't hate that at all, but uh, overall, protected the football, navigated the pocket. And this is something else that I've been harping for years on this show and in my writing and anyone who would listen um, people, because you have these people like screaming about the offensive line constantly and the pass blocking and whatnot. It's like, listen, sacks and how this offensive line is functioning right now. If you had a competent quarterback, this would be probably close to good enough. It's really mm -hmm. hard to feel the top five offensive line every year, right? There can only be five of them. Um, and uh, when you have a competent quarterback who is good at navigating the pocket, uh, reading things pre-snap, uh, knowing to where to go with the football based on the pressure looks, um, how alignments uh, the opposing team aligns, um, that can really help an offensive line look better than they are. And you don't have to have a perfect offensive line to have a functioning offense. And that hasn't been the case with the Broncos. That was not the case with the Broncos with Trevor Simeon. I mean, he had terrible depth in the pocket. He pretty much would go so far back in his drops that the edge rushers would just run right around the tackles. Joe Flacco is the least mobile quarterback I've ever seen in my entire life. Drew Locke, did, <laughs> Drew Locke had no pocket presence either. Um, also kind of would panic the moment he felt pressure and would uh, pull his head or pull his eyes down and look to like move. Um, Teddy was amazing in the pocket. And I think that was my, probably my biggest takeaway in this game was just how incredible Teddy was um, when things were not perfect for him. He's never going to be confused for Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, but he added life to this offense. He extended plays and he did it with his athleticism, but then through his arm. And uh, I just don't think that can be emphasized enough, man. That was a competent quarterback play for the Broncos. It's what we said we've needed for years on this team. It's what we said on the show. That was more than competent play. That was uh, top 12 uh, the, this week for sure. And if you get that, this team can probably hang with almost anybody. Really, any given week, anybody can hang with the Broncos if Teddy plays that well. He set the bar awfully high. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what worries me now. That, that that's he set the bar awfully high. You know, when we're talking yeah. on one or two, you know, fingers about how many bad throws we saw. Well, you know, there's about that many that plays that probably could have made for him as well. Uh, you know, KJ Hamler was one of those guys. Um, yeah. But I, I made note of the KJ Hamler drop, not because he dropped it, because that happens. Nobody you don't have to tell, you know, uh, you're at games when somebody drops a ball and you see the coaches yell at him, catch the ball. I'm like, dude, he, he, he knows. He should have caught the ball. You don't have to get on him for that. Um, but, you know, that was on a first down, play action, 54 yards in the air when it hit K.J. Hamler. We talked about it last Thursday about Teddy Bridgewater's arm and be able to stretch the defense. Any NFL quarterback can throw the ball 50 yards down the field off play action. So you don't, you don't have to worry about that. 
the yeah. strength of this team isn't going to be fitting the ball into tight windows and trying to beat zones and doing all that stuff. That's not going to be Teddy. Teddy's going to be making sure you hit the right guys at the right time and then take your shots. He took his shot. He he got it. And, and like I said, yeah. that he's got plenty of he's got plenty of arm to throw the ball 40, 50 yards downfield to get behind the defense. And he did. It, it didn't work out for that play, but it it uh it certainly shows what can happen uh with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. Yeah, my biggest takeaway was how open KJ Hamler was, right? Like that speed is real. Um, and you're gonna see more of it now. I mean, that was it looked like the preseason play with Drew Locke, right? Yes. You yeah. know, it, it, you and, and and how did that happen? It came off play action on first down. That's if you run the ball and you have success running the ball and you commit to running the ball, not only can you break big runs later in the game, which we saw, because those are body blows. You know, it. I don't know. Uh, Richard Pryor is the first time I heard this. I don't know how many of you knew Richard Pryor was a, a gold glove uh, boxer at one point. And he was talking about facing the guy that used to hit him in the ribs, hit him in the ribs, hit him in the ribs. About the sixth round, he'd be like, uh-huh, you're not going to hit me in the ribs anymore. You forget your chin's wide open. You know, and here comes that one over the top and they light you up. So, you know, those those running plays, if you can have success and you're not just losing 12, two yards and you're say, sick, sitting at second and 12, but if you're gaining three, four yards at a time and you commit to it, it sets up the play action and it's and it, it sets up the the drive killing runs, uh, the game killing runs later on in the game in the fourth quarter, especially when you got two good running backs that are going to be able to stay at a high level throughout the entire game. It was a, it was a fun game to watch without a doubt. Yeah, it really was. It was a good weekend of football overall. Um, let's say hello to some more people coming in here uh, talking about the run game. Uh, Matthew Martinez saying they opened up some good holes in the run game. Thank you for your comment, Matthew. We got Carolina Lynn's in the house saying good morning. Good morning to you, Carolina. Hope you're doing well. Malcolm Brown's in the house. Hello from Homer, Alaska. Days are starting to get short up there, Malcolm. Hope you're doing well. Good to see you. Um, we also have uh, DeAndre Weatherspoon coming back in saying a team. The team as a whole can play a lot better and will play a lot better. F- and for four to six weeks, they won't have Judy. Next man up. And we'll be getting to that in just a second. Um, Adam Sears also in the house. I was actually surprised that they finally kept going to the tight ends. Finally, um, Adam, you haven't listened to the show here, but uh, the Broncos last year, I think, had the fourth highest rate of tight end uh, targets per game last season. Um, so uh, this might even be more emphasized now. But um, while there is a feeling that the Broncos did not go to the tight ends, the stats uh, said otherwise. So um, important to kind of have that context there and uh, poop poo on some uh, poor narratives. Uh, we got Will coming back in saying a potential Jaguars trap game. I'll never be confident with this Broncos team. I'm scarred from the last five years. Uh, what do you think about this trap game with the Jags? They obviously looked absolutely horrible uh, versus the team that we thought was going to be the worst in football. At least I did in the uh, Houston Texans. And uh, there's already a bunch of issues with uh, Urban Meyer. It really feels like it's going down that Nick Saban with the Miami Dolphins path quick. Um, do you have any thoughts about the uh, Jags being a trap game? Every game is a possible trap game, but no, it's too early. You know, I mean, the they there's there's good enough leaders on here. Von Miller is going to make sure that this team is focused uh, on defense, and that's really where it's going to matter. Teddy Bridgewater is going to take care of the offense. He's going to make this team is even keeled and ready to go. You've got your leaders on both sides of the ball, and you're not far removed from a was it six and ten, five eleven season. Yeah. You know that that you're going to be taking anybody for granted. So if, if Jacksonville wins, it's because they played better. It's not because it's not because Denver overlooked them. They're not overlooking anybody right now. Yeah. I think with, especially with Teddy, um, he knows that it's a long season and he's been a lot of places. Um, So uh, 
I'm thinking he's going to say, hey, that was a good win, but uh, now we got Jags. Um, Chris Hernandez coming in with the stars here saying, good morning, MHH fam. Good morning to you, Chris, and your fam there. Beautiful picture. Um, and uh, thank you so much for supporting the show and keeping the lights on in here. Uh, as I always say, you know, Chad, Chad's a great guy, but uh, he is a businessman. And uh, as long as the show is viable, we'll keep coming. But uh, the moment things stop uh, rolling in, like uh, support from Chris Hernandez, uh, we're, we're on a time count. Um, so thank you so much, uh, Chris. That means a heck of a lot. We also got Trevor Sandal. Morning, fellas. Uh, go Broncos. Uh, let them hate. TD. Ted them hate. Ted them hate. Ted them hate. Okay, I'll take it. Um, yeah, really good game from um, Teddy Bridgewater. Michael Ronquillo also in the house. Michael's always super supportive uh, with the stars. Good morning, Nick and Scott from Broncos for breakfast. Good morning, Greg Smith. Great. I haven't seen Greg yet. Um, and Broncos country. AFC West teams went 4-0 after last Monday night's game. Uh, go Broncos. Um, 100%. Uh, that's a 4-0. AFC West is AFC best, along with the NFC best. Goodness. Uh, JR saying morning from Pensacola, Florida. Um, hopefully you're doing well uh, there, JR. Uh, Profess is in here this week. Headed some great games. Yes, it did. A lot of upsets, too. Um, so we talked a lot about the offense. Broncos offense looking pretty good. Um, somebody commented on there. Luckily, the Broncos didn't trade Tim Patrick. Uh, Tim Patrick looked really good. KJ Hamler looked really good as well. Um, and we're going to need those guys uh, because now Jerry Judy is going to be out projected four to six weeks personally uh, because it's a high ankle sprain. Maybe it's just an ankle sprain. I think it's a high ankle sprain. Um, those tend to only get better when you get real rest. So I would be more conservative with Jerry Judy to get him out there as healthy as possible. Um, but if he's back, you know, four to six weeks, that's great. If it's eight weeks, I think that's fine as well. Cause I think this Broncos team is in a, obviously you'd rather have Judy. He gives you a better chance to win. He's a phenomenal talent. Um, but this Broncos team has pass catchers. And uh, I'm curious what you think the best strategy would be for this team going forward now that Jerry Judy is going to be out for a little bit. Well, and Jerry Judy is a little bit of the wild card, you know, where we've seen Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater use him in the preseason where they buy time against a rush. And then there's Jerry Judy who comes open. So he's a little yeah. bit of a security blanket, which hurts. However, if I start going through plus weapons for the Denver Broncos attack, I say KJ Hamler. I say Tim Patrick, I say Cortland Sutton, I say Albert Okawebanam. Like I said, I walked around my house all morning practicing that one. I say Noah Fant, I say Javante Williams. I'm on my second hand now. I'm starting to get like, you know, one for the thumb. Uh, and I say Melvin Gordon. So there's plenty of weapons on offense as long as the offensive line and the quarterback play are still playing at a, at a good level. Mm -hmm. Jerry Judy is a, is like I said, he's a security blanket. He's a great player. You'd much rather have him, but if you're going to lose one player, you probably want to lose him in your receiving core because that's mm -hmm. probably where you're deepest on the offensive side of the ball. Yep. No, I 100% agree with you. And also, I think it's <clears throat> while Jerry Judy is the probably the focal point of the offense would have been at least the pass game. Um, now the Broncos are going to have to evolve. And one thing that I love about Teddy Bridgewater, and we saw it in this game, is how much he will distribute the ball to everybody, right? Like it's really not a, okay, that's my number one guy. That's where the ball is going. I don't even have to think or go through my reads or do anything pre-snap. He's looking to get the ball based on look to the right guy at the right time. Um, so I think because of that, you brought this Broncos team, they'll miss Judy, but they should be okay. I am looking for them to use a little bit more 12 personnel. And for the, uh, you kids at home, uh, for you kids at home, 12 personnel is a one running back, two tight ends and, two wide receivers. Uh, so you're going to see, I think more of that in this game and counterintuitively people like in Madden, if you run 12 personnel, that means you're going to block better. You're going to run better. Um, actually, typically um, 12 personnel passes more efficiently than runs the ball um, because it's 
means defenses put more guys in the box. And when there are more guys in the box, it's harder to run. Um, so I'm looking for the Broncos to actually pass the ball more efficiently out of that. Can they run the ball better out of 12 than they did, though? Because they did struggle. Uh, Noah Fant had a good game passing. Not the best blocking. I thought Okuwebenam's blocking looked pretty darn good. Um, but they're going to have to be better there if they're going to want to be a 12-personnel team while still being a very run-oriented uh, offense. And, and you saw who had the key block on Melvin Gordon's uh, long run was Sauber. Um, yep. And it was nice. So I'm watching the condensed game, so you're never quite sure if you're going to get a replay. So I'm watching that, and I'm watching, okay, that man, they really crashed down because he cut back to the right side and went right mm -hmm. tackle. And then and then broke you know hard left to, to score. I'm like, okay, who was that uh, at right guard? No, the right tackle, the right guard crashed down. The right tackle, Bobby Massey at the time, he went second level, so he went up and sealed a linebacker. I'm like, okay, who's that tight end? And I couldn't tell for sure. I'm like, I think it's Sauber. Yep. And then they showed a replay. I'm like, okay, good, because they then they highlighted. And I've told you before, I kind of judge announcers if if they highlight what I see. <laughs> <laughs> and they did. I'm like, okay, good. So, uh, you know, sometimes I'm kind of mad when they do that because I want to point things out to them. I'm like, all right, they already pointed that out. Um, but that was a that was a great block. We're talking about running two tight end sets. Now you got another blocking option right there, and who can catch the ball a little bit too. Man, I bet you uh, you were. Uh, I know you guys drafted Kyle Pitts, but uh, blocking tight end Salbert might have done some good for your uh, your Falcons this week as well. I got to say that game. I watched it, uh, the condensed version, and. Uh, it really reminded me of an Iowa Hawkeye versus Nebraska Cornhuskers game where it's like, okay, well, you have weapons on the outside, but you are getting absolutely slaughtered. It doesn't matter. I, I, I've said before, you know, when, when national pundits start talking about Kyle Pitts being a win now draft pick, I just, I just laughed. I'm like, it just, it makes you angry sometimes. You're like, and pe people listen to you. It's why, you know, and, and y'all, I'm not for those of you who are new to the show or haven't heard me say it before. I, I've basically spent my life in a team specific model type of digital media with Scout, uh, with 247, building it with what's at Sports Illustrated with Fan Nation. And it is so important to have local experts like Chad Jensen and his crew at Mile High Huddle because the national people, they don't they don't know what the hell they're talking about. They they mm -hmm. look, they they read at the very fine line. And Kyle Pitts being a win now option was laughable laughable not with that defense and that offensive line no way so anyway let's move on um we got benjamin flores coming in asking how is glasgow doing so for those of you that don't know uh graham glasgow who had a okay game um obviously going against williams and lawrence is tough um but uh, he had an okay game he stayed back in new jersey slash new york um because he had an irregular heartbeat as far as i know he is still there um he is stable um he's messaged fans uh through media uh through twitter and whatnot and also glasgow has been on the mile high little before so we're obviously uh big fans of him um but he I, last i knew he was still in new york uh, he's stable but i think it's uh you probably should start preparing for natane moody to start at right guard this sunday which i know a lot of people want um his i thought his preseason preseason was very very much a uh a mixed bag <laughs> um there were some dominant blocks and there was some very concerning whiffs as well um so uh Still, though, it's not a bad week uh, to get going here with the Jags, a team that's pretty soft uh, up the middle, up front. So uh, if Glasgow doesn't play, uh, hopefully Moody can get his uh, uh, feet wet and uh, have a good game. Yeah, it's a it's a good schedule to get going with. Yeah. You know, when when you're you're trying to break in a new quarterback or give an, a, a younger quarterback some experience, uh, get some guys healthy, because as we as you lose Judy, it should be another step forward for Sutton. 
So he should be a little bit better than he was last week. Uh, the, the concern for me is when we talk about the limitations of Teddy Bridgewater, most of his most of his passes are going to be, and to be fair, he did hit a deep out, but a lot of his passes are going to be quick hitters, seam routes, or loopers that are over the top in the space, which is why I kind of like the, the bigger receivers because, you know, trying to fit it into a tight window with a guy that got separation, by the time the ball gets there, the separation is going to be gone. Um, but by that same token, when Judy's in the slot, he's kind of all over the place and, and finds those open spaces. So you're, you're going to miss him for sure. But Sutton should be one step better than he was last week. Yep. And that's uh, that's a big key. Uh, guys, this is obviously Broncos for breakfast. We still got another half hour to go here, but I wanted to give you guys a little station identification there. Um, we're here every Tuesday and Thursday, and uh, we'll keep it going here. But yeah, Jerry Judy being out for a bit, it is a bummer. I will say, though, and I love it when I don't love it when players make mistakes, but when young players can make a mistake and the team still wins or those young players go out there and then redeem themselves to give themselves positive, positive momentum. I love that. It's great storyline. I think it's builds a good narrative and also big confidence as well. You know, knowing those players can overcome things. And I think that's very true for two of the guys that are going to have maybe the the biggest change in their target share with Jerry Judy being out. And that is Albert Okwebenam and KJ Hamler. Mm -hmm. um, both those guys are now going to be highly uh, featured in the offense. I would assume, obviously, uh, Tim Patrick is another one as well. We already know what Tim can do. He was probably the Broncos' best weapon on Sunday. If he wasn't, uh, it was either Noah Fant, uh, Tim Patrick, or Melvin Gordon. All of them were yeah, it's, it's good. nice when you can rip. If it wasn't him, it was these other six guys. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he was good though. Um, he had really, really good game. Also, I loved the. Uh, Got to give a shout out to Pat Shermer. That touchdown pass that Tim Patrick caught, which was like an option uh, pass as well. Beautiful, man. Uh, Shermer has been doing some offseason studying as well. I felt like I was watching uh, Trey Lance in North Dakota State there with that kind of play. That gave me some uh, vibes there. Well, and Nick, one of the things that, you know, we kind of bucked out after the first preseason game or the second preseason game when Teddy started. Um, you know, like, oh, well, that drive would have been a three and out. They wouldn't go for it on fourth and seven on the 38. I'm like, that's where I'd go for it, you know. Yeah. Now, I don't think I would have gone for it on fourth and two on your own 48 with two minutes left. That was ballsy. That was yeah. a that was a big call. But inside your inside the opponent's 40 on fourth and less than 10, I, I want to go for those because I've seen too many times. Kickers are so good now um, that, you know, the 55-yarder is more good than not. But if you miss it, you're giving them the ball on the 45-yard line. And if you punt it, half the time it goes into the end zone. You net 17 yards, man, go for it. So, but that was a big call on fourth and two uh, right before, I think that was right before halftime, wasn't it? They, they went down and got that one. But, um, yeah. you know, you know, Teddy, Teddy played great. Teddy, Teddy played great. Got the ball to a, a host of different weapons, was very accurate, uh, moved, pushed the ball downfield, you know, some, some longer passes. And uh, it was a, it, it was a very, very good game on both sides of the ball. Yeah, and Jeremy coming in here saying, I love the way Fangio coached, trusted his gut, had big Vic energy. Uh, yeah, going forward on fourth down uh, three times, going three for three on fourth down, that was ballsy. Um, but, man, it was uh, it was great. And, uh, you know, you're seeing the offense this year. Obviously, Pat Shermer had a weird offseason last year. Same with everybody, but trying to install a new offense with the youngest offense in the NFL, personnel-wise, um, struggled. And then also, essentially, what was a rookie quarterback as well. With um, no preseason. Now, with no preseason, yep, a lot of stuff going against him, and Pat Shermer deserved a lot of the criticism. But uh, seeing him with a obviously a quarterback that not only Pat Shermer trusts more, but uh, seems Vic Fangio trusts more as well. They've opened things up. They've done more 
uh, with formations. Um, and uh, I think the offense looked really good against a Giants team, which I see somebody coming in um, saying, uh, Antonio, good comment here, Antonio. But he says, my only concern is if Steady Teddy can play like this against top-level defenses. Otherwise, I would say he played a good and safe game. Um, I think that the Giants are probably going to be a top 10, top 12 defense this year. Are they going to be you know, vying for number one? No. I don't know if you caught the Steelers game. That defense looked pretty darn uh, tough. Josh Allen didn't have the best game. but uh, I've, I've told you before, man, Mike Tomlin, I, he's my favorite coach in the NFL. I just – I. Yeah. I, you know, when we've had this discussion about, will the Steelers be any good? I'm like, in my mind, the Steelers are always good. You know, they're just always good. You know, they're not always good, but they are. <laughs> and a yeah. lot of that has to do with, with the coach. Mike Tomlin is a phenomenal head coach. I love the guy. Yeah, he is. When there was a talk a few years ago about him being moved on from with the Steelers for a trade or something, I'm like, yep, send we'll us, him. Yeah, yep, please, send him yeah, away. Send us, he won't be out of work. For, he won't be out of work for very long. Yeah, gosh. Um, Chris Hernandez saying he's going to head to work, but uh, have a good day, Chris. Thank you so much for your uh, your stars earlier. That means a lot. Vinny Jay's in the house as well. Good morning, gentlemen. Go Broncos. Woohoo. Woohoo. Stoked. All right, Vinny. Well, uh, you, you've had your coffee. Um, but for uh, you, Vinny. There we go. That's uh, that's great. Also, Rufus is in the house talking about how the big media people sometimes do not know what they're talking about. Um, Stephen A. Smith once said that Hunter Henry would be the key for the Chargers that week when he had been on the IR for six weeks. Also reminds me of when they called Dwayne Haskins wasn't going to succeed in the NFL because he was too much of a running quarterback. Um, so uh, that's especially those guys. I mean, is Dwayne Haskins but... succeeding in the NFL? No, but he was definitely. Yeah, not I, I didn't think he could succeed in the NFL because I, I was like, wait a minute, maybe I'm wrong on this. Like I wouldn't. Con- same reason. Uh, who were we talking about? The big Ohio State guys. He's not a very good thrower. Troll Pryor. No, he was a wide receiver. It was a guy after him that came in and played one game and won the national championship. Oh, Cordell Jones. Cardale Cordell Jones. Jones. Oh, Cardell Jones. I'm like he. I'm like he. He's not going to be because he. Uh, he. They don't throw the ball very well. You got to be able to throw the ball to play in the NFL. Yeah. Nope. Yep. I agree with you. We got Damian Clark coming in. Talk about throwing throwing down some stars here over on Facebook. Thank you so much, Damian. That means a lot to us. We really appreciate you um, keeping the lights on in here. So, um, and just so, a reminder, because um, I know watching watching uh, the Huddle Up pods that so so many people get excited about the the goals and the leaderboards and stuff. Everything that gets put into this show goes on the YouTube, the Super Chat leaderboard, and into the Stars leaderboards that they're using for the who are they using? They're, it's not Von Miller. It was Von Miller it was last week? Was it um, Justin Simmons? Is it Justin Simmons? Yeah, it's I a jersey. So. Yep. This this yep. go round. So all of that goes towards the Justin Simmons raffle, and then the guys that. Guys and, and and girls that finish, men and women that finish on top, get uh some extra shouts and and uh, I think some some swag from uh, from Mile High Huddle. So appreciate your support. Yeah, nope, absolutely. Thank you guys so much um, for supporting the show. It means a heck of a lot. Yep, the Justin Simmons jersey. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about the uh, the Broncos defense as well because we've obviously good because often- there's one guy that you talked about that I want to pile on. See if, okay. it, if I'll let you go ahead and lead because there's a guy that was just like, oh my god, for me, for the Broncos defense. Mm-hmm. All right, well, um, I want to start off by saying welcome back, Von Miller. Um, we missed you. Uh, I know that uh, I've said you know the he's what is he 31 now? Um, he's expensive. Last year was contract. Maybe it's the beginning of the end for Von Miller. Um, and he pops out and says the stories of my demise were greatly exaggerated. Um, Von Miller, absolutely killing it. Obviously the right tackle situation for the New York giants is very bad, but guess what guys, there's not many good right tackles in football. Von Miller's going to have good matchups 
a lot of weeks this year. Um, so really excited to have Vaughn back. Um, he played great and uh, obviously very productive. Also, man, you could tell he was confident having fun out there. I don't know if you saw the video of him and Teddy Bridgewater on the sideline too, um, where Vaughn was talking to him. Vaughn, you know, he's a hype man. He'll go up there in the press conference and he'll say like, uh, yeah, they could put me at quarterback. And he like, yeah, Nick Kendall, best quarterback that ever lived. We're going to win 10,000 Super Bowls with him. They're like, <laughs> okay, Vaughn, you don't got to lie to the people. Um, but uh, on the sideline, you know, he was talking to Teddy. And he's like, man, we got belief around here. And we haven't had that since 18 was on the sideline. And that's because of you talking to Teddy. So um, really, really excited to see that, um, the, that authentic uh, interaction between those two. Vaughn was great. And I wanted to, I watched the game um, after everybody had already watched it. Cause I was coming back from mm-hmm. backpacking in the Olympic Peninsula. And uh, getting my normal takes, you know, reading it, watching it live before seeing what anybody was saying about it, because I don't want to be influenced uh, by uh, outside factors. And uh, Draymond Jones flashing like absolutely crazy. And I'm scrolling through Twitter like nobody's nobody's talking about this guy. He was incredible. Now, Will Hernandez has struggled in pass blocking consistently, but Draymond Jones was I thought Draymond Jones. I mean, Von Miller had the stats and everything, but like Draymond might have been the most impactful defensive player on the field. He was that good. And nobody was talking about him when the game was going live. Now, after the fact, after, I don't want to say it's because of me, because I was tweeting, but I like, I started like, okay, why is nobody talking about this? Why is nobody talking about this? And uh, I saw some bigger media people start to talk about him the day after. Um, but uh, Draymond Jones, man, holy cow. Welcome. Thank you. God bless. Well, and and for me, what was interesting was where he, when he came into a defensive tackle position, a three technique lined up, you know, yeah. just outside of the guard, because uh, we talk about this this formation, the three four defense, and where are they going to be, and you know, is he on is he on the end? He was unblockable in yeah. passing situations when he lined up as a defensive tackle. He was unblockable. Yeah. One of Von Sachs, you know, I, Draymond was right there too. So he was getting so much pressure from the interior line, and if you can get pressure up the middle with an interior lineman, you are a really hard defense to beat. Because now I've got to take two guys and deal with him. Now I've got two guys that I have to deal with him, which opens up who? That opens up Von Miller on the edge. That opens up Malik Reed on the edge. You know who else it opens up? It opens up one of the safeties or one of the linebackers coming through on a delayed blitz because you've got to have two people on an interior lineman on every single play. Draymond Jones was fantastic and probably for me, the best player on defense for the Denver Broncos. The other guy I really liked watching because of his complete disregard for his own personal health was Kareem Jackson. Yeah, The way he came in on running plays and would fly in like a guided missile was a little scary. I mean, he gets up and just, you know, he knows how to take care of his body and, and take care of those collisions and stuff. But he's flying around like a 22-year-old rookie out there trying to make a team. So I was extremely impressed with a couple of veterans – and, and Draymond Jones and, and Kareem Jackson and how they played the game on Sunday. Yep. No, I, uh, he played really well. Um, it was unfortunate to see Justin Simmons had that interception, uh, slip between his fingers. That was one that wanted to do. Well. I thought Justin Simmons was actually really good in, uh, run, run, uh, run protection, run defense as well. Um, he is not like, you know, Derwin James out there as far as physicality, but he can really knife, uh, quickly through a pile and get into a, get to the ball carrier. So I thought Justin Simmons had a good game. Um, also want to give a shout out to uh, Josie Jewell. I thought Josie mm-hmm. Jewell was the best linebacker on the field uh, for both teams uh, in this game. He was also the, it seemed to be the guy that was not subbed off the field when the Broncos were going with one linebacker. Alexander Johnson was taken off the field. Um, I also, Al, uh, Josie also had a couple good plays in coverage. 
um, which are worth shouting out. You know, he's a little bit small, a little bit stubby, but he's smart and he's quick and he's instinctual, which puts him in the right place a lot of times. And also maybe even more importantly, doesn't put him in the wrong place. Um, and uh, I thought Alexander Johnson, while he was pretty good coming downhill, fine sideline to sideline, um, he bit pretty hard on a few play actions, leaving some open space between the second and the third level of the defense, which the which, Giants picked on. Which which is where, you know, and, and luckily, like I said, I thought the, the, I don't know who the color commentator was on this, but did a good job of protecting Patrick Sertan on that long throw because you can't chase a guy 50 yards across the field and expect to have him in coverage. You know, and he said that's got to be on Alexander Johnson to drop back and take off that drag route because that's that's impossible to cover yeah. for for the NFL for chasing a guy 50 yards across the field. So uh, he pointed that out. And, you know, while Sertan is the one that is following that guy and looks like he's in coverage, that's not on him. Yeah. And then the missed tackle, maybe a little bit on him. Um, but uh, yeah, it takes it's a team defense, right? We're not playing a uh, rush seven, drop everybody else into coverage kind of defense. There's a lot of uh, cohesion uh, going on in that back seven. And speaking of which, we talk about a missed tackle. Count those on 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 how many hands for the Denver Broncos. There were very very few missed tackles in this game. You know, yep. it's yes, you're, it's it's their NFL offenses. They're gonna get their catches. But you got to stop them. You know, you can't allow the, the 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 yards after the catch, especially if, if you're playing a man defense. So it, it, even when they made their completions, they were done. That was that was the end of it, and that was that was great, the great tackling. Um, and those are the kind of things that I mean, they keep stats for everything now. But you know, when you're looking at your your normal stats, those are the kind of things that don't show up of what could have been you know, 240 yards passing could have easily been 320 yards. If there weren't all of the, if there wasn't such sure tackling, so great job across the board by the Denver defense. Yeah, was there anybody on defense who you thought let down uh, based on your expectations? Somebody that you thought would be a little bit better than they were, or somebody that you're um, thinking like, okay, well, this is an area where the Broncos maybe could get a little bit better going forward or in the near future, or this player needs to step up. Uh, I, I was watching, I mean, Kendall Fuller got picked on a little bit early, but then he came back and made some plays. So he was, he was fine. Um, Jackson jumped out at me and then uh, a reserve defensive uh, interior guy, Shamar Stevens. When I saw him, they tried it in a short running situation, which there aren't a ton of in the NFL anymore. So I don't know how many, how much we're going to see Purcell and, and the big guys yeah. in the middle where we'll see more of Draymond Jones and Shelby Harris playing at, at defensive tackles. You know, we call it a base three four, but man, who cares when you're you're playing nickel half the time? Um, but Shamar Stevens in a in a sure enough, we're gonna run the ball thing. He was just a wall. Yeah. <laughs> he just he just clogged everybody up, which is what you need. And he's not gonna get any credit for that. But when you cannot be moved off of the line of scrimmage, it makes it really hard to run against you. Yeah, no, absolutely. And DBA coming in here. Um, do you guys see the Giants blocking themselves on the sack where Vaughn got untouched? Yeah, that was a. That Giants offensive line was bad. Um, we obviously talked about it with uh, Patricia Trainer um, when she came to join us, and she said, "I'm concerned about the offensive line." She was right to be concerned about the offensive line. Uh, they were not very good. Um, that Giants team was a little bit in disarray. No interceptions from Daniel Jones, which is a little bit shocking. Um, but uh, yeah, it is what it is. Um, the other one that so yeah, Kyle Fuller. Um, he somewhat disappointed me in this game. Um, not terribly. Like he wasn't getting picked on left and right, but for a for a cornerback as hyped as he is, you know, 29 years old playing in a contract season. It's not just the bar. Isn't just, you know, how he plays this season. It's like, how, how well does he play uh, in the perspective or context of getting a second contract from the Broncos? Right. And he's going to want, he's going to get paid 
big time on the open market this year, I would assume. Um, and um, while he was good, I don't know if he was that like, you know, what was he an all pro uh, three years ago? That was not that level of a uh, cornerback play from him. Also that Ronald Darby was solid, but not incredible as well. Bryce Callahan, Bryce Callahan was probably the best cornerback on the field for the Broncos. And a um, little bit funny that Patrick Sertan, I just, I, I know everybody's happy right now. I just got to get a little dig in a little funny that uh, Patrick Sertan only played what, like 19 snaps or something like that. And everybody's like, Oh, Broncos took a cornerback at nine, not a quarterback because it's going to be more of an immediate contributor because there's snaps to be had there. Well, if your cornerback at nine overall is only getting 19 snaps, I don't know how much that, uh, that carries, but um, it's an early it season. Yeah, a, it is. A, a Patrick Sertan will contribute to more wins this year than any quarterback you could have taken in the draft would have. Yeah. For the I Broncos. promise you yeah. now next year, all bets are off. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Simmers coming in. He says the tackle didn't move on Bond's second sack. It reminded me because uh, I don't know if, if I, I took a, a note on that, but it's got to be the one where everybody was on two except the center. The center snapped yeah. it on one. And, you know, the, the defensive guys are going off the ball. So yeah. he snaps it. Five defensive players move and only the center moved. <laughs> so yeah. one looked a little rough. They had no chance. That's what happens when you're uh, when you're when your center forgets the snap count. That was I laughed at that one. Luckily, no one was hurt because that can get dangerous. Yeah, or uh, that can be a play where the ball's going behind the quarterback and it's just a first one there. It gets, uh, gets a kind of a, uh, you know, schoolyard kind of game there. Um, the other one I wanted to say that, so Kyle Fuller, I had high expectations for him. He didn't quite live up to it. Um, he didn't, he wasn't terrible by any means. He was very solid, but you know, you're looking for that number one cornerback there. Um, the other one who didn't disappoint me, but it had me excited about the future <laughs> is, uh, the opposite uh, the edge rusher opposite Von Miller, whoever was rushing opposite Von Miller and, you know, Jonathan Cooper, great preseason, Malik Reed, great undrafted free agent story. Um, it was pretty obvious that, uh, Bradley Chubb was missing and, uh, with how many great one-on-one -on -one opportunities that uh, Ed Rusher over the left tackle had, you I was hoping for at least a few more splash plays um, from that position um, and uh, just didn't get it. And speaking of splash, uh, splash plays, Seth Harmon coming in with the 49-99 Super over on YouTube. Really wanted to win that Justin Simmons jersey and also really wanted to keep the lights on for Broncos for breakfast. We appreciate you. Uh, the coffee's on. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater stiff-armed three people at, at least. I like Darby's coverage. Galladay just made some good plays. Yeah, um, good comment here. Uh, Teddy was Teddy was as good as you could possibly have expected. There was a couple throws that he missed, um, but you know, turn on turn on the uh, Packers Saints game, right? Like Aaron Rodgers is undoubtedly first ballot Hall of Famer. He missed some throws out there too, um, so it's a uh, it's pretty incredible, uh, pretty great game from Teddy Bridgewater. I'm I'm over the moon with how he played, and I thought Darby was solid as well. Both all the cornerbacks for the Broncos were solid, and now that was a pretty banged up Giants wide receiver room, um, but still, like they. It's really hard. We're nitpicking right now, and uh, that's no. That's, that's where it's, it's and Shepard were both really good. They they yes. were good. These are professionals out there. I mean, I mean, that was as dominating a game as you're going to get in the NFL. Um, you know, guys are going to still make some plays out there. Um, Seth uh, certainly appreciates you, Teddy Bridgewater. Sift arm three people at least, and you know, another thing was it's just it's almost like the feel. I mentioned the play earlier. I don't know if, if you have been here the whole show. But there was a play where they did a play action into a blitz where you're in trouble as a quarterback. So there's yep. five guys in there, but the the they were able to set a pocket. He pulled the ball down, kind of felt the rush and pushed himself, slid off to the right tackle, got the ball out all one hand. So he's got to have 10 inch hands. He's got to have huge hands. And then and then got the ball to Melvin Gordon to uh, to get a short gain instead of an eight or nine yard loss. Um, 
I was impressed with Teddy getting the ball down the field. You know, yeah. some of his throws that were, you know, 10, 15, 20 yards into, into the seam routes, outs. It looks a little funny coming out of his hand. Sometimes it looks like it's coming off the top of his hand and it shoots out of there. But then what, it's normally my instinct was like, oh, that's a floater. And then it drops right into where it was supposed to be. I'm like, okay, well, that was just just a little bit more how he throws the ball. So, um, but Teddy was as good, I think, as as you can possibly expect. You get that type of play from Teddy Bridgewater all season and keep him healthy. It's going to be a dangerous team. It's going to be a real dangerous team. Yeah, it is going to be a dangerous team. Um, you need to stay healthy. Uh, Want to get Bradley Chubb back as well. I mean, you saw Draymond Jones and Von Miller out there killing it. Um, Shelby Harris was quiet but it was a good quiet mostly um i thought his main uh task was run defense and uh, he did quite good there um so not too concerned about shelby harris uh did not flash like draymond jones did but that's okay you just you're hoping that uh, whoever is running the rushing the quarterback opposite of von and draymond uh with all the one-on-ones they're going to get is going to be a little bit more productive on a down-to-down basis than what we saw versus the Giants. Now, Andrew Thomas, uh, year two for the number three overall pick. Um, there has been struggles, but uh, for the Giants, that is. Um, and he held up pretty well, but uh, you're hoping to have a little bit better with the uh, <clears throat> with the opposite edge rusher, and you should get that with Bradley Chubb being healthy. That being said, you don't probably need to rush him, right? Like, give him some time. You probably don't need him versus the Jags. You probably don't need him, especially now that Mekhi Beckton's going to be out probably for that Jets game. You probably don't need him in that game as well, so just be a little patient, but once Bradley Chubb's back with how Draymond's playing and how Vaughn's playing, I mean, I don't want to, you know, overemphasize this could be one of the better pass rush units. I, I don't want to compare it to 2015, but like that 2012 defense was one of the best ones this last 25 years for the Broncos too. And they could be up there in that level also. So uh, once again, I want to thank Seth uh, for the very generous super chat. Um, that was, that's so helpful uh, for us. And uh, we really, really, really appreciate it. Um, we also got Mark coming in here, I believe with uh, stars as well saying uh, Teddy got a bad rap on the dink and dunk. He's always been able to throw deep. He did a lot of that last year because of what he has to work with. Um, you're absolutely right. And also the other thing, I think people, I hate to make excuses for quarterbacks, but there's sometimes there are valid ones. And Teddy was really good before he suffered that injury uh, for Carolina last year. Also Carolina, uh, first time head coach making that jump from college to the NFL. We're seeing how much that can be an issue from Urban Meyer right now. Um, also a massive step up for Bra- uh, Joe Brady, their offensive coordinator. Um, that offensive line for the Panthers was really not very good. And they had the youngest defense in the NFL, which was also equally not very good. Um, so Teddy was not great, uh, not a great fit for them. Seems like he's going to be a great f- fit for this Broncos team, both culturally and schematically. So uh, really excited about it. We have competent quarterback play for the first time in a while. And that paired on a, very good overall roster can win you a lot of football games. We said from the beginning, what does Teddy Bridgewater do for this team? It makes sure that your quarterback play is going to be better than it was last year. I don't think we were expecting that. That was, that was uh, what we just saw was more than I think any of us even expected, but that the, the quarterback play was going to improve. It has, It'll, I think it'll, it'll settle back down. What is he first in the QB rating right now in the NFL? I think so. He's not going to finish there. No. But he's also not going to finish in the 30s. So, uh, you know, he doesn't have to finish in the top five for this to be a playoff team. So, again, um, all the things that we talked about it, leading up to the first game, we've been doing this for six months just about, let's see, April, May, June, July, August. Yeah, this is our sixth month of doing this show. All the things we talked about, what do the, the Broncos need to have happen to become a playoff team? We saw them. So as we said in the preseason, there will be more questions, 
But any of the questions that were asked of this team on Sunday against the Giants were answered with a plus. Yep. What more are you asking for? Except for being healthy. You know, let's let's yeah. stay healthy. Yeah, the Jerry Judy injury is unfortunate, but I do think that you have some winnable games. You will definitely miss them versus the Steelers and the Ravens, I think, are after the uh, Jags and the Jets. But still, should be pretty good. Um, I do want – we have not very much time left. I do want to talk, unfortunately, I guess, um, but also just kind of – Statistically, it's a little fun as well. The rest of the AFC West looks really good. Um, and uh, it's going to be a bloodbath. And you think that, why did why in God's earth, why in God's green earth, do the, does ESPN insist on playing the, the trash NFC East on all these primetime games when you have these AFC West games that are going to be just phenomenal? They're going to be so good. Because because that's what the, because marketers pay for ratings. Oh. And... Kansas City is a decent draw, but Las Vegas versus the New York Giants, Philadelphia. Look at market market share, market ratings. There's your answer. People used to ask me down here in the South, why do people talk about Michigan and Ohio State? This was before Ohio State got it going again. I'm like, you got to see ratings. The two biggest markets in football. Yeah. So the NFC East and those gigantic markets are going to be shown until you take a team like Green Bay that becomes or Kansas City right now that outplays their market and become a national type of name. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. Well, I'm, I'm expecting to see a lot of AFC West divisional games flexed to the uh, Sunday night games. Well, um, the good possible. news is, is that the NFL is so big that people will watch good teams. It yep. doesn't necessarily matter. You know, we're not talking about the Oklahoma city thunder here. We're mm -hmm. talking about the Denver Broncos in the NFL. Um, you know, or, you know, the difference between, you know, the, the, the Colorado Rockies versus the Denver Broncos. The Rockies could be really good. Most people around the country wouldn't know. The NFL yeah. is such a juggernaut that they will go to the better games as these things start start evening out a little bit with the uh, with the records. Yep. Yeah, the uh, Tommy Simmers coming in saying the best division is the NFC West. NFC West is right there as well. Um, could be a really fun game. I will say, though, I think the AFC West has better uh, – Better quarterback play top to bottom um, right now. Uh, but Jimmy G actually did look pretty good for the 49ers, so we'll see. Um, but I do want to talk about all these games. Um, the Chiefs coming back and beating the Browns, that was probably the most uh, impressive uh, victory given the strength of the opponent of any of the teams in the AFC West. Um, Cleveland gave it to them there for a bit. Uh, it was a pretty close game. Um, Cleveland was leaning on the strength of their offensive line. Their defense is just not quite ready, I think, to take that step. Um, so hopefully the Broncos can be better there. But uh, – I think the formula is there to beat the Chiefs. Um, if you follow that Cleveland model, it's just can that Broncos offensive line improve? Because that's really what it comes down to if you're going to run that type of model to try to beat Kansas City. Well, and it's it's it doesn't have to be a shootout, but it might be. You know, it, yeah. it, in, it, the, the Denver Broncos defense is good enough to keep teams in games in the running game. Defense, running game, don't turn the ball over. All those cliches are cliches for a reason. And that's, that's how Denver is going to beat teams. And yep. they did. I mean, it was 7-3 at the end of the second quarter, right? Yep. 7-3 end of the second quarter in, against the Giants team that you're dominating. Yep. What feels like you're dominating, that plays out in the second half as you wear the teams down. Um, like I said, the uh, the the uh, Alberto fumble, to me, it was, it was a turning point in the game of sorts. Yep. You know, and you talk about mental toughness. That, that was one of the points I wanted to bring up before we go out get out of here. The difference between belief in a team and the mental toughness and the ability to overcome adversity. Second or third play of the game was a free play. Kendall Fuller falls down, and they go get, get down on the 30. What happens on the next play? Eight-yard tackle for loss. 
back them out of field goal range, that turns into a punt. Yep. That turns into a punt. Defense bowed up. Uh, you're going in for a score. Alberto fumbles. What happens? You got him pinned back, three and out. Three big plays. Alexander Johnson involved on a on a pass breakup. And then Ronald Darby coming up. I'm pretty sure it was Ronald Darby, not Kendall Fuller. Ronald Darby coming up and just blasting through a quick out and, and a sure tackling, physical defense, punt. Those are those that's how you win the games. And yep. it could have easily gone the other way with a little adversity. This this team, this this team's ready to win. Absolutely. But yeah, no, the Chiefs had a good game. Um beat the Browns. Browns are a good team. I know a lot of people are picking them as an AFC West uh darling the sleepers but the browns got beat um so uh chiefs are uh not surprisingly one um but still uh want to talk about that one chargers um i don't know how much you caught of the chargers game as well washington football team one of the best defenses on paper this season um their first chargers first round pick Rashawn slater arguably had one of the best weeks of any rookie uh this week uh really held up against chase young and uh, Justin Herbert looked like a legitimate MVP candidate, and uh, he was out there slinging the ball. Uh, the run game for the Chargers was not great, but uh, Justin Herbert was incredible. Um, so uh, I am, I am very concerned. Also, Derwin James, 100 percent uh, the snaps uh, defensively, so it looks like he is back and healthy. Um, Justin Herbert scares me, man. He is really talented, and I think that Chargers team. I know they've been snake bit for years, but uh, once you got a young franchise, especially a franchise quarterback on a rookie contract, you can do some things. So uh, I. I'm a little bit afraid of uh, Justin Herbert and the Chargers. It's not going to be easy, no, you know. It, but the thing is, even if you go if you go 500 in, in the division and you, and you win the games you should, you're a playoff team. Yep. You yep. know, and, and that's what we said. Being well, it was just the Giants. Well, in, until you're beating those teams, you are one of those teams. So yep. beat the teams you should. Go 500 against the good teams, and you're looking at 11 and six at worst. Absolutely. Uh, that's you're right. And, uh, also want to talk about the, uh, the Raiders a little bit as well. Um, that was probably the most surprising uh, outcome of the AFC West games. A lot of people think the Ravens are one of the best teams in the AFC and the Raiders beat them. Um, obviously the Ravens got some issues, uh, the running, they've been dropping like flies, uh, down on the running backs are also their offensive line looked really bad against a, uh, Raiders defense, which on paper is not very good, uh, in my opinion, but they played well. Uh, Josh Jacobs is a good running back. Uh, Derek Carr started really slow, but uh, probably probably one of the most underrated uh, quarterbacks in football. Um, and uh, they came out there with a win, and the AFC West is completely um, undefeated so far out of the gate. So uh, it's going to be a bloodbath, man. This AFC I, haven't, I haven't seen the end of a Monday night football game since I moved back east. <laughs> it's too late. Dude, 10 o'clock, I'm, I'm, I'm winding down. and They're just getting started. Uh, no, it's... Uh, Man, my my, my daughter's bus football. comes at 6.50 a.m. I'm not staying up past midnight to watch a football game with the Raiders. Yeah, I don't blame you. Um, but when the Broncos are on, I know you're going to be. And I'll know, no Monday night games is here for the Broncos, though, unfortunately. But uh, also, unfortunately, everybody, we got to get on out of here. Um, it has been an hour, and uh, we got things to do. Um, we're going to be back on Thursday to talk, obviously, answer some other questions. We got Derek Kincaid coming in. Your thoughts about Cortland Sutton? Join us on Thursday. We'll talk about a little Cortland Sutton if you bring that back up. Um, we're also going to be working uh, leading up to the uh, Jags game as well, uh, getting some information on the injuries, Graham Glasgow, uh, what to expect as well. Maybe there'll be some more. Hell, hell, maybe Urban Meyer will be the head coach of the USC Trojans by Thursday. Who knows um, with uh, Urban Meyer. Um, but, guys, that's going to have to do it for us. Obviously, you can find Scott and myself on Twitter, Scott at Scout Kennedy, and myself at Nick Kendall, MHH. Uh, guys, also make sure you're following us on Twitter at 
Huddle Up Pod, as well as at Mile High Huddle. For joining us on Facebook today, please go to facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle, as well as facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle Pod. Uh, join the conversations there. Obviously, a good community. Um, not as good. I, no, it's, it is good. But I really like our community during the live chats. So you guys are amazing for joining us. Um, that's a little bit bigger, a little bit more uh, people from around the globe. So you got you know all walks of life. But um, it is a, um, it's a fun place to talk football if this hour wasn't enough for you. Um, also, guys, make sure you're subscribed, like, and share on YouTube, as well as go to Scott's page on YouTube, forward slash C, forward slash Scott Kennedy. Want to give a shout out to everybody who was super supportive of us today. Uh, Chris Hernandez, Michael Ronquillo, Peter Middleton, Damian Clark, Seth Harmon. Um, hopefully we got everybody there. If there was anybody else, um, hit me up on Twitter, uh, find us and we'll get at you. I just pa- passed the uh, 4,000 follower uh, mark, which is nice. You know, um, that's that's one you want right there. Uh, so appreciate that. My, <laughs> I was getting so close to 4,000 constantly. And then I would put out something about, you know, Drew Locke struggled or, you know, T- Teddy Bridgewater was better. And then my followers would drop by like 30 or 40. Um, but um, we made it um, and we made it to the end of the show. So uh, Scott, any thoughts uh, before we get on out of here, anything from the chat that uh, you wanted to get to? Oh, yeah. Right. I wanted to hit Ashton here real quick. Nice football shirt. So what you usually ask me, what am I doing the rest of the day? It's, it's champions league day. Champions league day is probably one of my favorite competition in sports. Chelsea's on at three o'clock Eastern. Uh, if you don't have Paramount Plus, they will be playing free on the Spanish channels. And frankly, listening to them in Spanish is more fun. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, it'll be a uh, hope again, hoping for no injuries. Um, and uh, I want to get to this one real quick from Cam Vaught. Melvin Gordon's touchdown was garbage time. Um, I would say that uh, while it was, you know, the Broncos game was probably well at hand at that point. You talked about it earlier as like the puncher, uh, the boxer going for the ribs constantly and then hitting the chin one. This is a classic Iowa game um, through and through this, this team. It's really, it makes me laugh almost um, gives me a little PTSD. How much this Broncos team mimics a lot of the Iowa Hawkeye teams where the defense is incredible. The scheme's great. They keep everything in front of you rush for drop everyone else back. Um, you're going to run the ball. Just even if it's not working, just keep chiseling away over and over again. And eventually you're going to get that big pop. And uh, that's what you got. And that was the end of the game. That was the knockout blow. Come watch the Atlanta teams, any of them, with me for a year, and you will realize there's no such thing as garbage time when you've got a lead. Yeah. God. <laughs> Ain't that the truth. <laughs> Gotta put those games away. And they did. And, uh, yep, absolutely. Um, like we said on the show here, do not abandon the run game um, because even if it's not working uh, great, you're going to have to stick with it and be almost stubborn with it. Obviously, if it's not working, maybe change up a little bit here and there on how your looks are uh, personnel-wise, formation-wise. But uh, keep breaking that rock. And uh, eventually, you're gonna you're gonna get the big one. So, yep. Yeah, and and a couple because because the the play actions there too. So, I mean, how many shots are you gonna get in a game to break off a 50 plus play? One or two? They had two by sticking to the running game, play action, and breaking through. It was uh, it was a great game plan. Yeah, and one thing I always hate narrative wise. Do you want the Broncos to run more efficiently than they did? Yes, of course. What were they averaging? You know, three yards a carry ish before that big run. Not incredible. Um, mostly on the offensive line, I would say not the running backs. Um, but that's like saying, um, like, you know, I would have, uh, I don't know. Like it's part of it, right? Like the 70 yard run is part of the equation. Um, and you cannot just discount that. Like that's, that's part of the reason that the, you run the game is because you're eventually, if you keep doing it, you have a chance to break a big one. How about let's go back to buddy Ryan. Say all Chris Carter does is catch touchdown passes. Well, that's okay. Right. Yeah. (laughs) That works. And it's part of it. You know, it'll take out the 70 yard run and then they only average that. Why would you do that? 
that's like saying, you know, like, uh, man, I you know, scored with a bunch of uh, three, uh, my average, you know, with ch- chicks. Your average might be seven, but you're not going to get seven yards every carry. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Um, but all right, guys, we're going to get on out of here. We will see you again on Thursday morning and talk a little bit of Jags Broncos. And if anything else has come uh, come up, also, if you guys have any other topics you want us to get to, um, please hit us up. Also, uh, I think, Scott, do you have an announcement for tomorrow? Sure. Um, if you want to talk a little bit more, Nick and I will be on on my channel at 10 a.m. Eastern, 8 Mountain and wherever else you might be. You can you can email me or hit me on Twitter and I'll do the math. Well, we're going to be talking. We're going to be talking some draft. We're going to be talking some Falcons. So we'll be a little bit more. But Nick and I will be on on Wednesday morning. That's tomorrow morning at ten o'clock. So similar time, just a different channel. So make sure you're following us on Twitter, and you 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 won't miss anything. Absolutely, guys. Well, we'll see you some of you tomorrow, and we'll see the rest of you on Thursday. Uh, stay safe. Go Broncos. Head on over to MileHighHuddle.com for all things Broncos.